0: Hey, Northeast Pennsylvania, it's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. It's 309 here at the station. It says winds are going to be picking up. Let's see what the temperature is right now. 86 degrees and uh, sunny outside here at the station as well. Hopefully it's the same near you. Hot and muggy today got outside a little bit but you know i was torn today there was a lot going on this morning you know as far as you know breaking news i was i was torn between watching the the house committee on ufos and uaps or whatever they're calling these unidentified objects and uh the hunter trial uh thankfully for me the hunter trial was uh in recess for a lot of the time while they were discussing issues and we'll get into that a little bit later to say the least but uh you know, I was able to get dive into the testimony of at the these hearings they were having on on UFOs and uh, and UAPs. They're calling them. They're calling them. Uh, and there was one in particular, one testimony in particular that that I put out on social media. So if if you've followed me on social media, you you've seen what I put out there. But one was a Commander David Fraver, U.S. Navy retired commanding officer of Strike Fighter Squadron Forty One. Now he he he's flown our most advanced f-18 F variant uh, strike airplane and he was the commanding officer of a fighter squadron he's got his stuff together and uh, he testified that he personally had experiences with these these um, what they're calling UAPs or UFOs whichever you want I mean they're interchangeable the names on them and uh, he said they defied anything. That we have or he's ever seen, and it defies the science that we even have. The maneuvers, this thing, and the speeds, the uh, altitude changes. And they described it as a tick tock, tick tack, not tick tock, tick tack, an oval shaped sphere um, type object. And they are saying that there was something under the water that it appeared to be communicating with. Uh, they didn't see what was under the water, but on a clear blue glass mirror-like ocean, something caused white water over right under where this thing was hovering. And uh, this is a career naval officer. Uh, he was one of the witnesses. And uh, I also have the link to his written testimony that I put out there, because I, I wanted to see, I, I only saw clips and some of what he said. But uh, this happened. This, interca- this uh, encounter happened in November of 2004 when he was the commanding officer, Strike Fighter Squadron 41, the world-famous Black Aces. We were attached to carrier Air Wing 11 and stationed aboard the USS Nimitz. And he describes the situation and the mission that they were on. They were doing a 2v2 air-to-air training. That's when two aircraft take on another two aircraft. Two aircraft are the good guys. The other two aircraft take the role as the adversary aircraft. They do this to keep their skills sharp. You know, when they're out at sea, they constantly are training to be the best they can be. So he gets into, you know, what they were doing, who was in control of them, you know, who his weapons systems officer was, his Wizzo, And they were going against uh, two Marine F-18 squadrons from uh, vmfa 232, and he, he said they were in blue air, which means the sky is completely blue, no clouds in the sky, the water was like glass. You know, he, he gives a um, an, an account of, of what the day was like, what their mission was, what was going on, and he was saying that there was intermittent contact with the, uh, the Nimitz air controller, their combat air control—air patrol— Point was uh, picking up this anomaly, and when it was in their range, they they notified them, and uh, when they arrived at the location at twenty thousand feet. Now that this this UAP descended from eighty thousand feet to twenty thousand feet in a matter of seconds, which per our aircraft, just anything known today in aviation can't do that, and. Uh, They arrived at the location at 20,000 feet. The controller called merge point, which means that our radar blip is now in the same radar resolution cell as the contact. As we looked around, we noticed some white water off our right side. The weather of the day of the incident was close to perfect day, as you can ask. Clear skies, light winds, calm seas, no white caps from the waves whatsoever. So the white water stood out in this large blue ocean. As all four... Look down. That means the both pilots and their wizzos, the back seat guys, the, their gooses. All four looked down. We saw a small white tic tac shaped object, with a longitude axis pointing north south and moving very abruptly over the water. There were no rotors, no rotor wash, or any visible flight control surfaces like wings. As we started a clockwise turn to observe the object my Wizzo, that's the back seat, CEDAR, and I decided to go down to get a closer look, and the other aircraft stayed high to cover and to observe us both, us and the TIC-TAC. We proceeded around the circle at 90 degrees from the start of our descent, and the object suddenly shifted in lo- its longitude axis, aligned it with my aircraft, and began to climb in a clockwise climbing turning. We continued down another 270 degrees, when we made a nose-low move to head where the tic-tac would be when we pulled nose onto the object. Basically, they were, they were taking angle with their F-18 to try and be where they believe this tic-tac was headed rather than chase it and follow it. Our altitude at this point was approximately 15,000 feet with the tic-tac at about 12,000 feet. It's only 3,000-foot difference. That's, that's very close. As we pulled nose onto the object at approximately half of a mile, with the object just left of our nose, it rapidly accelerated and disappeared right in front of our aircraft. Our wingman, roughly 8,000 feet above us, also lost visual. We immediately turned to investigate the white caps on the water, and there was also nothing there at that point. So you got to figure cruise speed of an F-18 doing this kind of maneuvers probably anywhere between 5 and 700 miles an hour. And this thing just disappeared. So even if it was going top speed, 1,200 miles an hour, they would still remain visual. So this thing had to increase you know, a way, well above 1,200 miles an hour. And again, this is a seasoned aircraft, and this is just a little synopsis of some of the things he, he put on it. And again, these, these are multiple pilots, multiple back seaters, they call them. You know, if you if you've watched Top Gun, it's the goose position, the Wizzo, the weapon systems officer in the back seat. All saw this, documented, and uh, this happened back in 2004, and we're just finding out about it now. And one of their aircraft are the ones who took a video that's out. It's you, it's all over social media. It's it's been shown at the the congressional hearing. But uh, that video has just gotten out, showing this tic tac object flying. Uh, Their heat signatures showed that there was no exhaust whatsoever on this object. The ship's CIC had this object on radar and then it just disappeared. So it's accelerating, moving at speeds that are unknown to our physics and our current status as far as what we have or ever had back in 2004 or now. So it was interesting testimony. Uh, they had some other individuals that worked for the Department of Defense that basically said that we have extraterrestrial biologicals that we've recovered out of alien ships. Believe it or not, I mean, that's that's your choice to make. But the, these people have solid uh, backgrounds and intelligence in our Department of Defense. So, you know, who knows? I, I think it's pretty naive to think we're the only beings in this universe, That's just my opinion. But, uh, you know, you could look at the evidence. You could look at the testimony that was given today and make your own judgment. I'm here to not make that for you. But it was interesting testimony to watch, a lot more interesting than this plea deal, sweetheart plea deal that was going on that uh, thankfully didn't go through. But I'm even skeptical about that. Is this just a way for the judge and the U.S. Attorney's Office to save face. Look, we're not, we're not just passing this through. We're not, they, look, there's act, we're actually looking at this uh, strategically. I don't know. I mean, all, all the, everybody thought this was just going to be an in-and-out plea deal, and they were done. But it seems like there were some discrepancies. I think the gun charge that we've talked about here before, where to get that specific deferment program that he got, you need the approval of the assistant attorney general. So for them to say that no one interfered with the U.S. attorney, the local U.S. attorney's issues is just wrong. Plus, he doesn't meet the criteria. There were three criteria. One of them were being uh, drug offenses, which he's also had. So I don't know what to believe as far as this being a real, him being held accountable or is this just a way, since there was widespread condemnation, that this was a sweetheart deal for both the judge, the U.S. attorney, and the defense to say, "No, look, look, this isn't easy. This isn't just a, a wink and a nod, and we're done. You know, we're really struggling here. That they're really looking into this, and then nothing happens eventually." I think the main sticking point was the gun charge and the fact that the judge found disagreement with the prosecutor and the and the uh, defense that he would have now immunity from any f- future charges. And the prosecution said, no, they, there would be no double jeopardy in these specific charges, but we are also investigating him for other things, which came out today. And this does not do that. And the defense says, well, no, it does. And the judge says, well, you guys really don't have an agreement. And they they tried to work it out, obviously couldn't. And Hunter Biden ended up pleading uh, not guilty. Again, we'll talk about that a little later. Somebody uh, just texted in: the SR seventy one was designed, and was flying in the sixties at the age of slide rules and hand drafting. Isn't it possible? It's just our own advanced tech. It it could be. It it could be. But uh. I mean, look at what the people did there going to the moon and such like that. We haven't been back since. But physics of, of acceleration and what the body can tolerate, that would be a, a difference. And again, we don't know if there's anything in these aircraft where they're remote-controlled, so there is no G-force factor. But just the mere acceleration and the kind of uh, what these aviation experts, and I would, I would uh, consider a commander of a strike wing, the commanding officer, uh, an and aviation expert, saying he's never seen anything maneuver or accelerate like that. So, you know, we'll take it. It was good testimony to hear. I respect the people who gave it, some of them. And uh, we'll see where it goes. Maybe it takes uh, takes our focus off some of the nonsense we have focused on here on the ground today. It's uh, 321 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 325. It's time for Rob's Rundown on this Wednesday, July 26, 2023. These are headlines that are out there, things that are happening in our atmosphere. We uh, probably won't get into them in detail today, but they're uh, in our headlines, so we should know about them. I'm going to add a couple to them as well since I came up with the list earlier. Pat Benatar heading to our area to rock through the ages. Parent charged with neglect. Disputes allegations in court. Scranton man strangles his ex-girlfriend. Congress has a hearing on UFOs. Wyoming area gets a new school director. An area teen charged with attempted murder. Motorcyclist injured after striking a bear on 81. New York City crane catches fire and partially collapses, injuring six, including a New York City fireman. Actor Kevin Spacey has been cleared of all charges in his trial. A federal judge vacates Bo Bergdahl's conviction and dishonorable discharge. Mick Jagger celebrates his 80th birthday. And we got sad news that Sinead O'Connor dies at age 56. And I'm just seeing breaking news now that we'll probably talk about tomorrow, that the driver 18's been charged with homicide by a vehicle in the DUI while DUI in the Springbrook crash that killed a North Pocono high school student. I remember that from a couple of weeks ago. The, the student coming home early morning was ejected from the vehicle and was tragically killed. It looks like they've arrested the driver at homicide. Uh, while DUI. And that's it for Rob's Rundown on this Wednesday, July 26, 2023. Um, I saw this story. And it's just one of those great, uplifting stories that should be. A Navy veteran airman, age 100, flies again in a vintage World War II piloted training biplane. It's great to see this type of thing. I live to fly, Donald Muncy, 100 told Fox News Digital after soaring over the cornfields in town in Urbina, Ohio. I was raised on aviation. It was always great to get in the air. It was a beautiful flight," he said. Muncie, who served in the United, uh, served the United States in both World War II and Korea, took cell phone video and snapped photos from the front seat of the open cockpit 1942 Boeing biplane piloted by Dream Flights founder Daryl Fisher. The tandem took off from Grimes Municipal Airport in Urbana to celebrate the organization's 6,000 trip with American World War II hero on board. Boeing built about 10,000 of these planes from 1939 to 1944. Its sole purpose was to train World War II aviators. If you were 18 or 19 in 1942 and joined the service and you're going to be an airman and walked out of the airport for your first flight, there's 90% chance this is the plane you were flying. It's just a great thing. Muncie's 20-minute flight was witnessed by a crowd of more than 100 patriots and well-wishing spectators not far from the Navy's hometown of Springfield, where he graduated from high school in 1940 and still lives today. Muncie turns 101 on October uh, October 27th. And there's just great pictures of him in the air, sitting in the front seat with his cell phone, taking selfies, taking video of the flight, and it's just an outstanding uh, thing to hear. And it's a great service to, to someone like a Don Muncy, who uh, has dedicated his life to both America and aviation. And to see him go up in a plane again, to see the smiles on his face, to see the excitement, is just one of those great stories. Uh, so when I saw it, I had to put it out there. I also posted it on my social media, if you follow me at Rob O'Donnell on Facebook or at O'Donnell underscore R on Twitter. But it's one of those feel-good stories, and it's great to see. Uh, it's great to see someone like that at age a hundred, you know, still, still able to get in a plane and go for a flight, especially one of those biplanes. There's uh, one or two of them up by me, from a local airport, and we see them all the time doing uh, all sorts of tricks, loop-de-loops and barrel rolls and everything like that. It's it's fun to watch, and every time you hear the plane up there, you know, I go out on my deck and watch, and it's a uh, a great time, great time watching them and uh and again like i said this was just a great feel good story this video that goes along with it and it's uh i mean to get someone who served in both world war II and korea and is here to live to tell about it and share his stories and share his experiences it's just one of those uh iconic american things and i'm glad there's organizations like this uh like this uh Looking at the name. Dream Flights. That helped take people like him and veterans like him up in the air. He served in a lot of places that my son has been to. It's a great uh, legacy. I said when my son ran into the Bataan Memorial Death March out in White Sands uh, Marathon, he met a lot of the veterans that were served in Bataan and were part of that and were held as Prisoners of War. And it was just such a great experience for him to speak and meet those individuals, and and they they actually line up out in the desert at the checkpoints to encourage the runners, some of them, and it's just a great experience. It's three thirty one here at Wilk. We'll be back after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on Wilk News Radio. It's three thirty seven. Well, if you live in Scranton, another uh, big idea book from Mayor PGC is uh, costing you more money and. Really not implemented too well, I guess. The city department of public works refuse overtime spiked this month to more than forty thousand dollars as of Friday, compared to just over twenty seven thousand last month and less than one thousand six hundred and fifty in May. Controller John Murray's overtime report showed at the council here, uh, meeting yesterday. Councilman Tom Schuster raised uh, the issue Tuesday at the city's council last caucus and meeting before the august recess and the uh, council members blame the spike partly on the new collection routes stemming from a city's contract with rubicon global llc a firm hired to improve efficiencies by optimizing waste and recycling collections obviously it's not doing that and if you go back that uh, this company was authorized for a 3 year $165,000 contract in late 2021 for the smart waste and recycling technology aimed to improving route efficiency. Despite the issues, Mayor PGC expressed confidence the system will ultimately benefit the city. She also attributed increased refuse overtime this summer to Scranton's briefly suspending collections in June as smoke from the Canadian wildfires blanketed the city. How many days did they actually stop services. I mean, I only saw one, maybe two. So one or two days accounts for $40,000 in overtime this month alone. As of Friday, month's not even over. 27,000 last month and 11, uh, 1,600, a little over 1,600 the month before in May. But, you know, they, they paid 170, almost one hundred Hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars for this company to come in to uh, make our routes more economical, make them more efficient. Scranton budgeted one hundred and seventy-five thousand for a refuge overtime this year, and had spent one hundred and thirty-six thousand seven hundred and fifteen as of Friday, the date the city employees received their last paycheck in July. That overtime totaled nearly $30,000 in January, the highest of any month except July. Supposedly the company's coming in next week because I I guess spending $40,000 a month is not a rush, but in a week they'll be here to address uh, and work with the city on improving the system. And it says Scranton implemented the Rubicon system for less than a week before temporarily suspending the new routes pending optimization. Mayor PGC has said. So if you start totaling up the uh the numbers, you know, they paid hundred and one hundred what did I say, one hundred and sixty five thousand dollars for this company to come in. $40,000 this month in overtime, $27,000 last month in overtime. Now, the overtime's to be expected with this type of thing. I mean, when, when there's extra... You, you can't predict with certainty, you know, environmental factors, when, uh, you know, how much garbage there's going to be. I mean, overtime, that's why it's factored in. That's why they have that in, which they're coming close to its limit already. But when you implement a new system that you paid $165,000 for and your overtime jumps from... 1600 to 40,000 maybe we need to start looking at the people who voted on these contracts who actually approved these contracts the people who are paid to oversee the implementation of these things not just uh, not just pass the buck not just say oh the company will come in One of the councilmen said, they implemented Rubicon, obviously it didn't work, and it slowed everything down. So in order to catch up, they have to incur overtime. We are embarking on an operational change in refuse that have been needed for decades, Cognetti said. There are going to be growing pains with that. We are certainly experiencing some growing pains right now as we get to where we need to get to with the new operation, with bringing new technology online and making sure that the refuse department is running as best it can. Has she ever taken responsibility for anything? I mean, I, I have yet to see it. And that's her, her new nickname here on the Rob O'Donnell Show, Mayor, Mayor PGC. She's the, the AOC of local politics here, uh, it appears, with some of the contracts. And we're going to talk uh, more about that, I'm sure, as we move forward. But if you live in the city of Scranton, you spent a lot of money to uh, to have this program brought in, and it's costing you a lot more money to uh, have it installed. But th- they'll be in in a week to help fix it and hopefully make it run smooth. So hopefully... Uh, Hopefully that corrects things. But, uh, you know, another failed policy coming out of the Scranton. It's 343 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show. On WILK News Radio, it's 346, 86 degrees and sunny outside. Got some text messages in. I'd pay for a new study to find out how much money we could save with a new mayor who has common sense. I agree there. I, I second that. Somebody else said, Rob, the computer system they bought for Scranton DPW, garbage is perfect if you live in a perfect world, but we do not. It does not calculate snow and rain, Um, the amount of garbage people are putting out. I think the program looked good on paper, but failed in the long run in reality. I agree there as well. This is, And this is what happens when you have people with zero skill set trying to come out with a big idea book thinking it's going to work. They see it on paper. They go, oh, this is great, but they've never done it. They don't have the skill set in that function. They didn't talk to the people or take the advice from people that actually know. Spend hundreds of thousands of dollars of your tax dollars on something they think but have no real world experience in. And we end up paying in the long run, again, on top of the money that it costs to do that. It also seems they're making uh, workers take on other responsibilities when they're running to the landfill and back, which is slowing things down. Again, bringing in overtime. This is why you get good people in positions and you let them do their job. You ask them what they need. You ask them what they need to do it more efficient and better. You sit down with them and you say, hey, guys, gals. How can we do this more efficiently? What's your advice in doing this? And you take that to heart because I guarantee you picking up garbage, delivering it, storing it, dumping it, was never in PGC's wheelhouse. Nor should it be, but a good leader finds good people to work the positions that they trust and take their advice when it's given. Um, and on that note, another train wreck of government, Lackawanna County, uh, just received a bill of over $10,000 for work on criminal investigations of the Office of Youth and Family Services. Now, this is in addition to paying for the legal fees for the people who are arrested. This attorney was hired, at the advice of the then county solicitor, to... Uh, review all the documents, review what was going on, all the way back for a couple months now. And uh, just submitted a bill for $10,320 for work performed through March 31st. The bulk of charges... Submitted for services related to several search warrants law enforcement served on the office and of youth and family services, so this was the investigation before the state and this was beginning in November so from beginning somewhere in November to March we 've been billed ten thousand three hundred and twenty dollars for work of this lawyer who, at the recommendation of the county solicitor, was hired to review this now, I thought that 's why the county has a solicitor, but I guess county soliciting work is too busy to actually handle county legal um, stuff they should be doing. But the legal work included reviewing documents, preparing emails, spending time on the phone calls, holding conferences with various employees. Um, But bills have not been submitted for work performed after March 31st. The contract was one of five county commissioners authorized relating to criminal investigation that led to the arrest last month of five current and former employees. Former solicitor, Frank Ruggiero, now a county judge, hired Attorney Caputo as an assistant solicitor January 11th to advise commissioners on the criminal investigation. Again, I thought that's what the county solicitor was for, but I guess they needed extra work and they were going to bill by the hour. I'm just looking to see what goes on. And again, this just goes from January, what did I say, January 11th? January 11th to March 31st, we've been billed uh, $10,320. i am sure there's a new bill coming from April 1st until now. So are we expecting another $10,000 bill? In addition to the ten thousand, we'll have uh, each defendant that we're picking up for the private attorneys totaling forty thousand and from my understanding we pay we we uh, and by me, I mean the county because it is we it's our tax dollars. I am a Lackawanna county resident we offered to pay for legal fees for all five defendants, but one didn't get back to them in time. So four were paying for it, $40,000 now, but the, the county did offer to pay for all five. And again, this is in addition to that. This is to look at the the search warrants and everything at, of the county offices, of the Office of Youth and Family Services. Now, I agree there the county should have legal representation because county offices were raided. County offices were the, the subjects of search warrants but I guess it was too much out of the purview of the county solicitor who's supposed to be handling the legal affairs of the county. That's why he is the county solicitor. So we had to pay extra, and again, this is unforeseen. So if the if the uh, table was too full for the county solicitor, you know, while running for judgeship or being appointed to judgeship, but he was running as well, so did Dak take some of the time away that he would have? To, be, to do his soliciting duties as the county solicitor, where he had to hire an assistant county solicitor to, uh, to handle this because uh, he did hire him and his assistant solicitor on January 11th to advise commissioners on the criminal investigation. Well, the criminal invos- investigation resulted in the arrest of four current and one former employee and now we're paying for their legal bills. And we're going to talk about that decision you know, and after we come back from the Bloomberg Money Minute. But um, it's incredible what's going on in our county government. It's incredible that they just keep doing whatever they want to do. And it's it's even more so that regardless of political party, they've surrounded the wagons on this this entire issue. Now, I understand it's a county agency well they should be they should be the ones most want to get into the bottom of it not surrounding the wagons not defending picking it apart finding out where the real problems are finding out where the disconnect is because it's just a matter of time before one of these defendants in this case turns district attorney witness To say, hey, these are the conditions I was working under. These are the things that I said. These are the the orders that I were given, the standard orders. These are the supports that I wasn't given. Is that why they're paying for the defense of this so they have an inside track on that? I don't know. But uh, it's just a train wreck. And, again, you have two county commissioners who have checked out. They don't care they've made idiotic statements to the press in regards to this including our, our head county commissioner who says uh, you know we're the model for the state really and the only thing i could say is thank god the door's hitting him on the way out we'll be back after the bloomberg money minute in a second welcome back to the rob o'donnell show on wilk news radio got some good text messages that was a uh, was a request for bid put out for legal services and posted for Lackawanna County rather than the solicitor just uh, recommending another attorney to uh, do the legal services in regards to this. That would be an interesting thing to know. Uh, And in addition, Lackawanna County commissioners possibly violated the the State Sunshine Act in private authorization to spend taxpayer money on a criminal defense for the Office of Youth and Family Services staffers. Now that's per an open meetings expert here in Pennsylvania, and uh, that's interesting to know too because this was done in private, It wasn't done in public, it wasn't done out in uh, the community again, in front of us. And they they're saying that they may they use their executive authority, but that's not the way these decisions are made. If they're going to spend taxpayer dollars, that needs to be that decision needs to be made in a public meeting. It needs to be disclosed. It needs to be shown that this is what they're doing and voting on. But Melissa Maluski, Media Law Counsel for Pennsylvania News Media Association, said officials uh, can deliberate, but they can't make those decisions unless they're in the open. So did Lackawanna County Commissioners violate the Open State Sunshine Act? Again, something else we need to question. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute.